Well, good morning. My name is Nate Nicholson, and as Dr. McKellar said, uh, I am an MDiv student here, uh, and it is an honor and a privilege to be before you guys at the last chapel. Uh, congratulations. Well, I guess it's maybe pre-congratulations. We still have finals and papers to finish up, uh, but I hope that you guys uh, finish strong uh, as we wrap up this semester. Um, have you ever met someone that you just knew instantly they were a believer? Maybe you'd never met the person before, but just the moment you meet them, the moment you shake their hand, you just know that the Spirit of God lives inside of them and that they love Jesus. Uh, a few weeks ago, my wife and I were at a wedding in Tennessee, and uh, the bride and groom, they're not believers, and so many of the people uh, at the wedding were also not believers, and uh, we are there enjoying and celebrating this couple, and we were having a great time, and it came time for the rehearsal dinner, uh, and it was one of those rehearsal dinners where there was a, an assigned seating chart, and so uh, we go to the table, assuming we we're going to sit with her college friends, uh, and we start looking for our name, and we realize that we're not sitting with our college friends. We are sitting at the family table, and so we, who we do not know. And so we go and we sit down and we're having some small talk with this family. Uh, and it becomes immediate within about five minutes. We're like, oh wow, these people definitely know Jesus. And it wasn't from anything they said. They didn't say, hey, my name's Bob and I love Jesus. But we could just tell that there was just something different. There was something attractive uh, about them. There was something that drew them in as we were surrounded by many non-believers, uh, there was just something that stood out about this couple. Well, as the night progressed, uh, sure enough, they, they were believers. They loved Jesus dearly. Uh, and it was actually the very reason why the bride and groom stuck us at the family table. They just said, hey, we figured you guys would have so much in common with each other. Have you ever had that experience? Maybe you're at the grocery store. Maybe you were uh, in the line at Chipotle or Chick-fil-A and you just knew the person standing in front of you was a believer. There's just something that sticks out. There's this aroma of Christ that, that sometimes that you just see in other people and it's attractive. It's different than the culture that we live in. Uh, well, today, friends, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And if you have your Bible or iPhone, go ahead and open up uh, your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Uh, and in our text for today, uh, Paul is going to give us three exhortations or three commands uh, that Christians should have in our relationship with God. Uh, and as we live these things out, it's attractive to our culture around it. These things are just so different than the current stream of our culture, that these things just stand out. But maybe you'll be like me, and as I've been studying this text this week, uh, you'll realize that sometimes our lives don't align with these things. Sometimes, actually, if we're honest with ourselves, our lives look the very opposite of these things that we are commanded in the Word of God. And, you know, to make matters worse, we're heading into, at least for what many Americans is, is the busiest and most stressful time of the year. With Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, we are bouncing from uh, one celebration to the next. We are spending more money than we probably should be spending. We are hurrying and busying through all the way until we get to the new year. And to make matters worse for us as students, uh, we're finishing up the semester. We have projects and papers and tests to finish up over the next few weeks. And if we're not careful, this week can, or this time of year can be so busy that we, we miss these markers that signify us as believers to a dying and lost world. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, open up them to 1 Thessalonians 5 and read along with me starting in verse 16. It says this, 
Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So a few notes on this text is this is the end, obviously, of the letter of 1 Thessalonians, and Paul kind of just rocket fires some exhortations. It's just command after command after command. And in verses 12 through 15, uh, he gives commands about how do we relate with one another as believer. It's our kind of our horizontal relationships. Uh, And then in our text for today, he switches to our vertical relationship with God. What does life in communion with God looks like? And he says, well, it should look like rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all circumstances. You know, it's also important to note that the words rejoice, the word pray, the word give thanks, all of these are exhortations, they're commands, uh, they're, they're, they're present active, they're something that we're not just supposed to do at one moment in our lives, it's something that we are to continually be doing, we are to continually be rejoicing in the person of Jesus, we are to continually praying throughout our days and we are to continually be giving thanks in all circumstances. And then Paul goes on to say, he he says, uh, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you and for me. Uh, And it's important to note that that this is not just referring to the giving thanks, it's actually referring to this whole unit. Uh, The will of God is for us to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. And that's kind of nice, right? Like, like one of our sayings here at Southwestern is live your calling and we often want to know, okay, well, what is God's will for my life? What does he desire for me? Who am I supposed to marry? Where am I going to go after I graduate? What city or state will I live in? And we always want to know, okay, well, what is God's will for my life? And right here in the word of God, we are told God's will for us is to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing and to give thanks in all circumstances. But the problem is this, if we're honest with ourselves, our lives don't reflect this text. You know, if we look at the first one in verse 16, rejoice always, if we're honest with ourselves, I think instead of rejoicing always, it might be saying that we are stressed always. Whether it's the amount of homework and projects and papers that we have due, we're stressed whether it's our financial situation or we're, we're stressed, whether it's something about our kids, we're, we're stressed, whether it's our nervousness about what's going on in the world, we are constantly stressed. And as I mentioned before, we're heading into what is the busiest time of year with Thanksgiving and Christmas, which just piles more and more stress on our lives. For some of us in this room, going home uh, is, is hard, Our family and maybe our extended family uh, is not a safe place, but is actually some of the people that have caused the most hurt and pain in our lives. And in Thanksgiving and at Christmas, we have to go back and be with the very people that have maybe caused the most hurt and pain in our lives. And it creates stress. It creates anxiety. And so as we look at our test and as we kind of, I look at it as a litmus test as we're seeing, okay, well, where are we at with this? I think the first one, uh, it would be more true of us that we are more stressed over rejoicing. Then moving down in verse 17, Paul says, pray without ceasing. 
And we just talked about how we are stressed, how we are so busy going from one thing to the next thing. And as busyness arises and as stress arises and as that to-do list just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, I think prayer is often one of the first things that we cut out. We chalk it up to, I just don't have time to pray today. You know, I'm just so busy doing so many things that I don't have enough time to stop and to pray. You know, in my own life, um, it was in 2021, in October of 2021, I was here on this campus. I was in the third floor of the library, the quiet section of the library, and I was studying uh, for a Greek three quiz or test. I don't remember which of the two it was, and I was stressed. I was anxious. I was going so fast throughout my day. You ever have those moments where you're just like, you blink and it's noon? You're like, how did I get here? It was one of those days, and I was anxious, and I was studying Greek flashcards, And I just felt like the Lord just laid on my heart. And I don't say that this happens often, but I just knew in that moment the Lord was laying on my heart that I just needed to stop. And so I wrestled with the Lord on it. And I was like, God, I don't know. I got this quiz coming up in like 30 minutes. But I was like, okay, God, I'm gonna stop. And so I left the library and I went over and I sat at the Koi Pond, uh, which is my favorite spot on campus. And I just sat. And as I was sitting and as I was allowing myself to slow down because I was going so fast, this thought came in my head and and I just thought, Nate, you're so busy doing for Jesus that you never have time to stop and be with Jesus. I was going so fast, doing so many things for Jesus that I never stopped long enough to just simply be with him. I had forgotten the words of John 15 where Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I chalked it up into my head, but God, look at all of the things I'm doing at church and in school. It's all for you. It's all for your glory. I'm reading books. I'm studying your scriptures. I'm doing projects and it's all for your name. But I forgot that it's my being with Jesus that leads to doing for Jesus. It's never the other way around. And so as we compare ourselves to the litmus test of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, I think often instead of finding ourselves praying without ceasing, we find a lack of prayer in our lives. Prayerlessness often defines our lives in seasons of stress and busyness. And then lastly, in verse 18, Paul writes, give thanks in all circumstances. You know, if we were to track our words today or our internal dialogue, I don't think Thanksgiving would be the thing that would mark our vocabulary and our thoughts. I think if we were honest, it would look a whole lot more like complaining. Oh man, I've got this test that I've got to do. I've got this paper I've got to write. Oh man, the cowboys continue to disappoint me. We would find ourselves complaining a whole lot more than giving thanks. And it makes sense because this is just the culture that we live in. If you were to go on the news right now, there would be someone complaining about something. If you got onto Twitter or X, formerly known as Twitter, you would see a whole lot of people complaining, whether it was about their favorite sports team, something happening in Washington, D.C., something some celebrity who they do not know said that really offended them. We are a people who are often complaining. And so we've got a problem, right? 
Like as we look at ourselves in line with the word of God, we've got a problem because this is God's will for us. And yet so often we do not live in these things. And so the question is, okay, why? Why are we stressed over rejoicing? Why is there prayerlessness instead of consistent prayer in our lives? And why are we complaining more than we are giving thanks? And the reason is this, it's our circumstances. As we move through this life in the ups and in the downs, in the busy seasons and in the times that are not as busy, our circumstances completely control every single thing about our lives. And as our circumstances get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, we get more and more and more stressed. And not only do we let our circumstances get bigger and bigger and bigger and dominate more of our life, but as our circumstances get bigger, our view of God gets smaller and smaller and smaller. You see, we have really big circumstances and we have a really small God. We may confess on a paper or as we're talking around campus, yes, I believe that God is sovereign and that he is in control and that everything is working according to his plan but when some circumstance in our life does not fit exactly what we thought should happen, we get a really big circumstance and our view of God gets smaller and smaller. And so where are you at today? Are your circumstances dominating your life? Are your circumstances determining how you think, how you act, how you talk? Or does your view of a really big God determine those things? And so the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, is where am I at today? Where am I at as I look at the word of God? Are my circumstances dominating my life or does my view of God determine my life? And so as you reflect on yourself, as I've had to do, as I've prepared for this, this sermon, I wanna remind us of the gospel. You know, the amazing thing about the gospel is this, is that Jesus Christ, when he came to live the life that we deserve, or that we should have lived, to die the death that we deserve, and to raise again, he knew that you and I were gonna be messy. He knew that even after we confessed faith in Christ, we're saved by grace through faith in his name, that we were gonna be messy. There was gonna be times that we were gonna love things a whole lot more than we love him. There was gonna be times where we let fear drive our lives rather than his great love for us. There was gonna be times in our lives where our circumstances were gonna be bigger than our view of him. And yet despite all of those things, despite knowing we were gonna be messy, he came to the cross to die for our sins. He, he looked at you and he looked at me and says, I want them in my family. And then not only that, does he close us in righteousness? He justifies us so that we are just as Christ is. And as he says in Ephesians, as Paul writes in Ephesians, so we are holy, blameless, spotless in his sight, that we are co-heirs with Christ, sons and daughters of the living God. And, and so as you and I, as we compare our lives to the word of God, and as we see, man, oh, my life doesn't look like that. Don't forget the gospel. Friend, preach the gospel to yourself every single day. Remind yourself of how Jesus Christ sees you. And so if you are like me and you have been convicted as you have been reading this text, preach the gospel to yourself. Repent of your sins and turn and worship Jesus. 
Maybe you're like me and often when I am reminded of sin in my life or I'm convicted by sin, I can just sit in shame. I can just sit there for a really long time and just, man, I'm the worst. I can't believe I'm doing this. I keep making this mistakes. But no, 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 friends, we gotta worship King Jesus because King Jesus is alive, our Redeemer lives, and he is at the right hand of the throne of God. So repent and worship, worship him, because the gospel is all about how great Jesus Christ is, not about how great you and I are. And so we've looked at the problem, we've looked at the fact that, man, often our lives does not line up with the truth of this text. The gospel is the answer. The gospel is the thing that motivates us or springs us into action. And so now let's turn back to the text and ask ourselves, how can we be a people who rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances? So look with me in verse 16. It says, rejoice always. You know, the Bible is extremely clear that we are to rejoice always. Always, no matter what our circumstances are, joy is supposed to be a defining characteristic of those who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and sealed with the Holy Spirit. And the problem with that is life happens and it's hard and it's hard to find joy because there's really difficult days. And I think what helps us so that we can understand what the word of God is teaching us is we've gotta distinguish the difference between happiness and joy. Even if you were just to go on and Google right now, happiness and joy, it would show you that happiness is based on your circumstances. You know, you can be really happy as you drink a great cup of coffee, as you eat your favorite meal, as you watch the Rangers win the World Series. Those things can make you really happy. Joy is different. Joy defies your circumstances. Joy is something that happens regardless of what's going on in your life. And as the Bible teaches us, it's because joy is found in a person. Joy is found in our triune God. Joy is found in the fact that there's an empty cross and an empty tomb. Joy is found because we know that the end is written. As it says in Revelation 21, it is finished. It's already happened. The score is already settled. And so joy is found in those things. But what if you're in the room and you're in a really hard season? What if this semester has been really tough? Uh, first off, I just wanna say I'm sorry. You know, life is tough. My wife and I, um, we lost our father, uh, her father-in-law, or my father-in-law, her father uh, passed away in February. And we know pain, we know suffering. Uh, and so if that's you in the room, I'm sorry. And I hope as we have had, we've had a church community that has just surrounded us and loved us and they just got in the boat with us in, in the grief. And, and I don't think that this text is telling us to just bypass grief, to just put on a smiling face and tell everyone that everything is just fine. And we've got a whole book of Psalms that are just Psalms of lament of God's people crying out because they're going through tough days. And so if that's you, I hope that you have people that can get in the boat with you and just can sit there and weep. And even if that is where you're at today, we have to remember that joy is found in a person. And even on the darkest of days, there's an empty cross and there's an empty tomb. 
and so we can be a people of joy. So our, our first takeaway or application from today is trust in a sovereign God enables you to rejoice always. Trust in the fact that God is working all things together for his glory. Trust in the fact that Christ has risen from the grave. Trust in our sovereign God enables us, allows us to rejoice always in the good and in the bad and everything in between. Moving on, uh, in verse 17, Paul writes, pray without ceasing. And a question that often uh, gets asked about this verse is, uh, is that possible? Like, is Paul saying, hey, we should just quit everything uh, that we're doing and just pray all of the time? Uh, and I would warn you, don't try that for your final exam. Your professor will probably say, I'm so thankful that you were praying, but you still failed the test. So I don't think we're supposed to quit what we're doing uh, and just pray all of the time. And so what is Paul exhorting us to do? What is the word of God commanding of us? And what it is, is it's developing a rhythm of abiding and being with Jesus where we are constantly inviting the Lord into our day. Praying without ceasing is developing a rhythm of abiding where we are constantly inviting the Lord into our day. You know, in scripture, we've got examples like Daniel, where Daniel will have these three times in his day where he's praying. Or you've got the Lord Jesus, where he will pull away from the disciples and the crowd to, to be there and praying with his father. And, and we, we need those times. Like friends, we, we must have these appointments in our calendar that's just you and Jesus, where you're on your knees and you're praying to God. And in addition to those times where we just stop and we are alone with the Lord, we also need prayer throughout our day. This abiding rhythm that goes not just in your quiet time in the mornings, but goes throughout your entire day. And so what does that look like? What does it look like to start developing a rhythm of abiding where you truly are praying without ceasing? And so a few examples uh, that I think just can help you abide is one is transitions in our day. For example, you guys are gonna leave and you're gonna go eat lunch or you've got another class and you have a time of transition. And these are great times instead of throwing on your earbuds and listening to music where we can just stop and invite the Lord back in on our day. We can pray for what we are leaving from and we can pray about where we're headed to. And this is a way where we just bring the Lord back in our day and remind us that God is with us, that his spirit dwells inside of us and that we have been united with Jesus Christ. Another example of how we can develop this rhythm of abiding uh, is eating. You know, every one of us, we, we eat every day and we have these times where we get to just stop and remind ourselves of God's goodness. You know, we pray before we eat, but so often we just let that prayer be the thing so we can get to the real activity of eating. And it's something we just do so that we can eat. But really, that's a moment to stop, to remind yourself that God's there to be in his presence, to remind yourself that just as your body is dependent on food, so you are dependent on the Lord for everything. Food, meals, these are opportunities to bring ourselves back into the presence of God and create this abiding rhythm. 
Uh, and then lastly, just another random example is driving. You know, many of us have to commute into school uh, or, or we're driving uh, all over the place because the DFW area is big and you can't get anywhere super quickly. And so we have these moments in our day where we just get to drive. And so I encourage you as before you throw the podcast on, before you throw on the radio, spend time in prayer. What are the things that are weighing on you? What are the things that you're anxious about? Where are you going next? Do you have another meeting with a person? Are you going home to be with your family? These are moments and opportunities to abide with the Lord. And guys, there's these moments all throughout our day. We have all of these pockets, but the problem is, is sometimes we just live like we're an atheist. We spend so much of our days, you know, forgetting that God is with us that he is in control, that he really does intervene in time and space and works through prayer. And so friends, don't live like an atheist. Remember that God is in control, that he is working and he is moving and he loves to talk to you and to talk to me. And and so let us abide and bring this rhythm of abiding. And and so our first thing for today was trust in a sovereign God enables uh, us to rejoice always. Secondly, trust in a sovereign God enables you to pray constantly. And then moving into our last command, in verse 18, Paul says this. He says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so this is uh, timely because we are heading into Thanksgiving next Thursday, a week from today. And uh, it's a day that our nation stops and just says, okay, we're gonna be thankful and we're gonna be with friends and family members uh, celebrating uh, things that we can be thankful for in our lives. And so as we think about how do I cultivate a heart that's thankful? How, How do I cultivate a heart that's able to actually be thankful in all circumstances? Uh, it goes back to practicing it. You know, for example, if you were to go and play golf for the first time, you would be terrible. Uh, How do I know that? Because I'm terrible at golf and I haven't played a lot of golf in my life. But golf takes practice. If you wanna be like Tiger Woods, you've got to go and put the practice in. And in the same way, I think Thanksgiving is the same way. Uh, Our culture, our sinful bent as human beings is to be negative, to go to complaining, and we're just surrounded by this complaining culture. And so if we want to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving, we've got to practice thanksgiving. And so what does practicing thanksgiving look like? Well, for me, it's looked like making a thankfulness list. There's been seasons in my life where, uh, you know, I've just been more anxious and and writing out a thankfulness list helps pull me out of my anxiety or whatever the thing I'm stressed in and reminds me of all of the blessings from God that are already there. And so making a thankfulness list, whether you write it out on a sheet of paper or you just say it in your prayers will help us to remember all of the really great things that God has already done. Because so often we can focus on the one negative thing from our day and that just drives all of our attention, all of our thoughts go to this one negative thing. But often if we'll just step back, we'll just remember all of the things that God has already done for us. We have much 
to be thankful for. And these things can be uh, things that God has done for us through the resurrection, through Jesus Christ, through giving us his word. It can be friendships, family members, a roof over your head, clothes on your back, and food in your belly. Uh, Often we just need to be reminded of all of the things that God has already provided. And so our third and final takeaway from the scriptures today is trust in a sovereign God enables you to give thanks in all circumstances. And what do you do if there's a hard day? Well, I think one, practicing Thanksgiving helps us, remind us of those good things. And then the second thing is, there's always an empty cross and always an empty tomb. And even if that's all you can be thankful for that day, remember what Christ has done for us and who he is and that God is in control. So, As we conclude for today, trust in a sovereign God. It enables you to rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. Friends, we live in a dark world. And as we embody these things of rejoicing, of giving thanks, of praying without ceasing, we will be a salt and a light in this really dark world. We will be the aroma of Christ to people who are in pain and in suffering and are just in darkness. And so my prayer is that we would be a people that reflect a really, really big God in really small circumstances. And that we will remember that God is on his throne, that there's an empty cross and an empty tomb And so we have much to be thankful for. Uh, And so as we walk away from today, uh, what can we do? Well, the first one is examine yourself. Where are you at today? Does complaining and stress and prayerlessness define more of your life? If that's where you're at, examine yourself, repent of your sin, and then worship King Jesus. Enjoy him. See him and what he has already done on the cross for you and see how he looks at you. You are holy, blameless, co-heir with Christ, son and daughter of the living king. And then lastly, determine to live your life in line with God's will. You know, the text ends with this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. We can walk in line with God's will, but we've got to determine to make those choices each and every day. You see, we're going to be hit with some things as soon as you leave here. There's some test, there's some project you've got to work on right after you leave here, and it's going to create stress. So determine to choose rejoicing over stress. You're gonna leave here today or maybe tomorrow and you're gonna say, I'm just too busy to stop and pray. Determine to choose to be in constant prayer. And then lastly, there's gonna be, it's gonna be really easy to go and complain as you leave here today. Whether it's a paper, a test, a project, something going on back home. But determine to choose Thanksgiving over complaining. And by the spirit of God and by our union with Christ, we can be a people that looks vastly different from this culture as we trust in a God and he enables us to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing and to, live, uh, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Let us pray. Father, I'm thankful uh, that you are sovereign and that you are in control.
and that all things are working according to your plan, that one day uh, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Uh, I'm thankful uh, that there is a new heaven and a new earth and the present suffering that we face is not com- worth comparing with the glory that will one day be revealed to us. Uh, Holy Spirit, we need your help to do this thing. We, we live in a culture where complaining and stress and prayerlessness is just the norm. Would you help us to be radically different than the rest of the world? Would we be a people uh, who have great hope? Would we be a people who are rejoicing because joy is found in a person? Would we be a people who are constantly seeking you in prayer? And would we be a people, especially as we head into this Thanksgiving season, who are giving thanks always for our circumstances? Father, we love you, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.